Welcome to this episode of the Bell Education Podcast with me, Rebecca Stead, and... Me, Sam Bufton. Ably assisted by our producer, Laura. Welcome to the Bell Education Podcast. Today's guest is Nick Stevenson. He is the director of EMEA for ISEF. Good afternoon, Nick. Hello, Sam. Uh, It's a rather windy day today, so there may be some wind in the background, but I assure you, it is Mother Nature herself. (laughs) Um, Not Sam. (laughs) Just can't let it go, can you? (laughs) Every opportunity. Um, So, Nick, ISEF, although since I've known you, you've not always been at ISEF. Um, and I believe even before that, you were doing things that I wouldn't have known about. So what was your journey to get you to end up doing what you're doing now? Uh, well, it's probably pure panic after leaving university and then just thinking, I really need a job. And uh, thankfully, I think Study Travel magazine were advertising for advertising sales jobs. And through my CV in, then luckily... Um, managed to stand out in the pub interview process, which is quite a unique thing, actually. Not many other companies do it. I forgot you worked at Study Travel. Mm. Um, a pub interview? Yeah. I don't know if they want this published, but... Oh, let's go for it. <laughs> um, Sorry, Stephen you, and Scott. You, yeah, you, anyway, you go to the, uh, the pub with the final candidates and just see how you cope, see how you mix it. I think it's, it's quite good. It does seem to that is very there. interesting. Well, they put all the final candidates in the pub. Yeah. And just like close the door and then look from above <laughs> and see who's doing what. Well, it just, uh, yeah, just kind of, you're all dotted around the room, mixing around with the colleagues and just see if you can, if you can hang, I guess. I guess that must be what they're looking for. Yeah, but we've just been talking today, haven't we, about when you're hiring and obviously it's important to find somebody who meets the criteria for the role and has the skills and the experience that you need but also you need somebody who's going to fit into your team yeah so i guess that's a good way of yeah and i think there's always a few stories from people who've kind of failed and succeeded on that there's always somebody who kind of lets themselves down or uh, says the wrong thing to the wrong person but i think to be clear i don't think they do that anymore i think they've moved, moved on yeah oh I was going to say, let's do the next round of interviews. <laughs> yeah. I think it does. There is some genius to it. I think it does yeah. work. Especially that in that kind of environment. I mean, you know, it's pretty fast-paced, people-oriented, isn't it? Yeah. Ad sales. I mean, and, you, need, yeah, to to, you events, need to be able to communicate. making small talk, uh, meeting new people. It's yeah, it's quite quite good training. All right. So uh, study travel and then? Then went on to flogging, print and distribution for Danny uh, for inline marketing. So I think at the time they were just starting to pick up some international clients. So he kind of sent me off to Canada and the US. Um, so then I started doing a few more ISEFs. So I went to ISEF Miami, uh, which is amazing. Always obviously. a good one, isn't it? And the lows. I, I've heard. It's a good I've one. Heard, so I've heard. It's really good. Um, and then, so I guess that's where I was able to meet uh, people from ISEF and had quite a good rapport with um, sort of the management. And then... Just about two or three years later, I just fancied a change. And I wanted to get back into more of the event side, more in the kind of the, the recruitment side of education, which is probably the side that I found, always found more interesting. Uh, always watching you guys off gallivanting around the world. And we thought, do not gallivant, <laughs> you, you stroll <laughs> uh, around the world and um, yeah, attending the events. And uh, yeah, I've not really looked back since. Yeah, hi to Danny there, by the way, uh, <laughs> Mr. Sylvester, who may or may not be listening. So um, here you are then, and I guess it's been um, in normal times, 
that sounds like a very sensible thing to do with your time. But what about during the pandemic, the last 18 months or so? I mean, it must have been a completely different landscape. Well, we were kind of quite well set up for it because we've always done home working anyway. So most people, so, so we have about 25 to 30 people based in head office in Bonn. And then the rest of the team is dotted around the world, all doing home working. So we're quite well set up for it anyway. Um, that's, if make, that's if there's work to do. Yes, that's that was the key difference. So um, we took up running, um, gave the database a good clean for a couple of months. And then <laughs> I think we probably stopped kind of feeling sorry for ourselves um, after a couple of months and then pivoted towards the virtual events, which is always something that we looked at or considered, but just hadn't quite found the, the right focus or way to introduce it. And obviously the pandemic's a perfect-ish time to, to try it out. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any lasting effects on not just ISEF, but maybe the you know the, the general hamster wheel that was the, the, the face-to-face events? Everyone knew what ones they used to attend at pretty much the same time of the year, seeing pretty much the same people, potentially. Um, do you think it's going to put a permanent stop to that? Or? It's hard to call at this point because we're obviously just before Berlin and everyone's absolutely dying to get back to face-to-face. So it's we, there's, we've still got a bit of pent-up face-to-face um, desire to get through. Uh, and there's certain markets that we've found that have adapted better to virtual events than others. So, um, for example, we mentioned Dubai, Middle East. Uh, that's one where they're particularly keen to get back to face-to-face events. Good. Um, yes, I'm, with you, I'm sure. Um, Sam is also very keen, um, as you can as, tell. As we all are. Very keen for ISF Dubai. Um, and there's other places where it might stay for virtual events. So, you know, the idea of travelling off to Asia for two weeks in the middle of October might start to um, seem a bit overly demanding. And people have got demanding schedules. People have got, you know, family lives to consider. So, I I guess the virtual element offers that flexibility, gives people the the chance to to kind of um, improve their work life balance a bit more. Um, obviously, lots of universities that we deal with have sustainability policies these days to consider. So, it's and it's cheaper. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's another uh, benefit of it. Um, so, we're also finding it's quite good for some, say, smaller language schools who would always be kind of interested in coming to ISEF every year, but could never quite uh, afford it. At, at the full face-to-face rate, so it's been quite nice to have a few uh, to welcome a few nice clients to Berlin or to virtual Berlin. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been different. <laughs> so so uh, maybe a hybrid model going forward for yeah. most events. You know, most events will have uh, a plan A, face-to-face, and a plan B hybrid. You know, I think offline. so. I think we and we've all gotten online. better at doing virtual events over time. Um, so I think maybe in the first virtual event we ever did I think it was for Virtual Americas in August last year there were people who still didn't necessarily know what Zoom was or had to download it uh, whereas now it's I think everyone's getting quite slick and up to date with it and we could just you know quite reasonably expect to do hybrid for most events uh, I think you know for quite far away markets Africa um, places that are difficult to get to Iran places like that um, there may be virtual only um, options, um, but there's always going to be people who, with um, re- restrictive travel policies or you know things going on. So yeah, I think hybrid is probably the, here to stay for a, for a little bit longer. When did you make that decision to switch to online conferences? Because when this hit, ISEF must have had so many 
events. How many events did you do you do a year well, altogether? Yeah, I'm not, not sure it's so much of a decision, more of a fight or flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was probably somewhere around the summer, so roughly after April uh, in 2020 when we kind of stopped, um, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves about mm. it. So I suppose, yeah, our business model, probably similar to yours, is probably the worst possible business yeah. model <laughs> for a, a global pandemic. So, yeah, it's... Um, we. We, we kind of had stopped feeling sorry for ourselves in April and decided that yeah, we actually could make this work. And luckily, the um, for our events, the focus was always about the the meetings. Um, it's more difficult for the big big expos who have a focus on seminars and things yeah. like that. Our, our core and almost to, um, you know, we, we, we've been very kind of rigid about this over time, is our, our focus has always been about the meetings. And that has probably been our strength. Um, that you can always have. Uh, it's, it's the most cost-effective way to have uh, a whole load of meetings with high-quality agents, and that doesn't really change whether it's in-person or face-to-face, or in-person or virtual. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of <laughs> saved our our virtual events concept. Um, and we, we we tried out some of the networking stuff, but that that's more difficult to replicate, and that's what mm. everybody's quite excited to get back to in Berlin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a challenging time. So tell us about Berlin then, because at time recording, although it won't be at time mm. release, um, we're we're just all preparing now, a couple of weeks away from um, ISF Berlin. Um, over the last eighteen months or so, I've been in lots of different calls for various sort of bodies and various collections of of people within the industry. Mm. And there was lots of I don't think I'm letting the uh, the cat out of the bag here, but but you can imagine that. Once school's um, income is wiped out, one of the things that people decide they probably won't spend their money on again is events such as ISEFs um, and other events are available. Um, but it does look now, as we get closer towards Berlin, that, that in fact people are really keen um, to, to dip the toe back in the water um, and to see what it will be like. So. How is it going? Was it um, was it a difficult sell face to face for a period, and then it just spiked, or has it been a gradual kind of uh, upward yeah. tick towards? It's quite tricky for obviously for the language sector because that's probably the the first hit and the longest to recover. So we've been quite sensitive to that, and you know, been quite flexible in our pricing um, to allow language schools who've had a pretty rough time attend quite cheaply. Um, so yes, thanks for your charity, yeah. Nick. <laughs> our, our standard Berlin this year is extraordinarily that's, good that's, value. Uh, I, yes, I, when at the time of release, I'm sure you'll be in agreement. I am in agreement now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, look, it does offer something for everyone. So if you know, for a language school, it's 999 euros to attend this year virtually, um, which is obviously compared to a normal year is not much at all. A lot cheaper, um, so it does give that kind of flexibility for everyone who's been who's had a rough time, and obviously everybody's got strong opinions about virtual uh, and face to face. Everyone seems to have an opinion. Um, some people love it, some people hate it. Um, so we're doing our best to please everybody. Um, so yeah, it does give you that option. So at least those attending virtually, you, you know, may not have that face to face enjoyment, but they'll at least be more refreshed. Uh, there's no jet lag. There's no uh, there's no hangovers. There's, no, there's nothing like that. So, 
and, and you know if you're sensitive about your, your carbon footprint uh which we all are these days indeed <laughs> and then yeah it's uh it's, it lowers that too but what so what about the 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 sort of the the uptake how's it have you seen it did you was there a point i don't know in august or um september you thought this is going to not work out face to face or has it always been quite strong or it's a late yeah, sprint or? it's been a bit of a nervous year i mean, i've always been a bit of a covid optimist uh i stay fairly glued to the news coming through uh, throughout the world from wherever i can really um and obviously clung to any bit of positive news through the year and it was looking quite good uh, as the vaccine rolled out um it was only delta that kind of for a bit of a spanner in the works yeah uh, and, made, and kind of made the, the, the authorities in in Germany kind of hold back a little bit. So I was th- I, I was always thinking that by the time of Berlin would be completely normal and COVID would be in in the rearview mirror. Um, it's not quite turned out that way. It's still there, and the Germans are, are quite you know uh, rigid at enforcing the COVID regu- regulations uh, compared to we are to, to how we're doing in the UK. So. It's going to be an unusual one, put it that way. So there's going to be masks, social distancing, all this sort of stuff. Um, but that's, I'm sure, you know, once everybody's together uh, again, then you soon forget about all that sort of stuff. So hopefully, I mean, obviously this will be going out well after. It doesn't get too onerous and in the way and everybody has a good time. It will be interesting to see that. Isn't there a Freedom Day of sorts planned just, just before? before? That was rumours, unfortunately. So, oh, really? yeah, they, yeah, they were. Were they rumor. tracking the vaccination rates to a certain point, and then they were going to? Yeah, that's what they were. So I think um, the health minister, uh, um, kind of uh, poured cold water on that. So yeah, they were due to have their Freedom Day at, at the end of October, but doesn't I think they're keen to? I mean, they're looking at what's happening in the UK and thinking we don't really want that. So, <laughs> understandably. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, I think it's it's they seem to have uh, a good kind of or a good sort of freedom, but it's not quite as uh, liberal as it is over here. So, how will it work then, Nick? So, ISEF Berlin. Mm. So, anybody going to ISEF, as you say, they've got to wear masks. Do they have to wear a particular kind of mask? Are you providing masks when they go? If you all that sort of stuff, yeah. All that kind um, of stuff. So yeah, there's you have to. I think under German law, so to get in, everybody has to be vaccinated, recovered, yeah. tested. Uh, so that does a lot of the legwork, COVID-wise, yeah. in terms of rooting out any potential cases. Um, and yeah, moving around indoors, I think you're supposed to have a mask, and if you don't, they'll supply one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm told that you know the security at the Intercontinental won't be kind of clamping down um, too too harshly on anyone. Be guiding rather than enforcing. I hope. Okay. <laughs> um, and peace, there's, there's lateral flow tests every day, right? Yes. Do you uh, provide them. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we come in and do a lateral flow. Yeah. So ideally, in your room, it wouldn't be too pleasant if everybody's. <laughs> uh, so yeah, in the privacy of your own own room, um, okay. To to keep it kind of COVID secure. Will you deliver them to our rooms in the Pullman? <laughs> I'm only joking. I, if I have to, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think like the Olympics, people will take a fake nose person with them, someone who they know is clean, but and then they'll they'll be? Do you think it'd be that much of a draw? I said Berlin for a stunt nose mm. somewhere. 
Uh, I, well, I'm they sure. used to pass. I think it was. I don't want to libel anyone here, um, but I think they used or slander. But I, don't, I think they used to. I think it was Maradona, who um, to clear him through a World Cup, they would secretly pass him vials of clean urine. So he would. <laughs> yeah. So who knows what the lengths people will go to? <laughs> don't get any ideas. Uh, yeah. So. No, I'm, I, hopefully, I think my, my lateral flows. None fine. of that sort of funny business going on. <laughs> Everybody's vaccinated, recovered, yep. tested. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so away from um, ISF Berlin, which, uh, as we said, would have happened by the time this is uh, released. One that won't have happened, but I hope will be happening, um, is ISF Dubai. I know I've been um, on your case a bit about this. And it's not just to go to Dubai. I mean, I do like Dubai. Um, it's as nice as anywhere else to go. But it is a really good event, um, considering the markets which are able to supply students now for language schools, especially in the UK. Um, the Middle East is certainly um, going to be core to most people's budgets for next year, I'd have thought, in terms of projections from where certain long-stay students will be coming from. So it's very important that we get a chance to um, to have that representation in the Middle East at, at a conference. So I know I've been in your case, and I know you're on it and trying your mm. best, but is there uh, an update as to, to ISF Dubai? Yeah, well, the update is we're working on it. <laughs> That's good enough. Um, so, yeah, it was... I think it was yourself who's the biggest cheerleader for for making Dubai happen. Uh, I think it was at English UK marketing. Yeah. It was, um, but it was quite it was quite useful. We had the, the Saeed was Saeed around was providing sure. useful information. Mm. So I think from there we can the, the sort of grassroots campaign to get Dubai back on the road um, started, and we've we've asked around. And it looks like there's quite a lot of demand out there to to make it happen, and. and I've, I've been speaking to lots of schools who kind of have used it just over the years as a way to fill their their schools, where and it's it's the most straightforward one of the most straightforward agent events going is ISF Dubai because there's just so much demand for the Middle East and yeah. we're well placed to to service it. We in the UK, I mean, um, so yeah, so we we're trying to make it happen. We've just been hit with a myriad of um, COVID regulations to navigate through but we we want to make it happen um so there will be very likely uh, a hybrid event unless obviously after release we can't do it then in which case there isn't <laughs> <laughs> well there we go i think that's that's cleared that one up and for, for, for anyone um listening to this who hasn't been to to ISIS dubai but is recognizing that the middle east is, is going to be a key source uh, market for the uk next year um if it's run uh, anything like it used to be run, then um, I would wholeheartedly recommend that you do attend. It, it's, um, it is an investment because the flights are expensive and, and uh, all the rest of that. But um, with the Middle East likely to be the, the main provider for long-stay students, certainly next year in the UK, um, for many uh, schools, then, then I would seriously suggest um, having a good look at ISIF Dubai. Also a nice time to escape the British winter as well. I hadn't crossed my mind, mm. uh, Nick, and I would certainly never go for those sort of reasons. <laughs> How about the planning of these events then, Nick? Because we turn up at ISEFs and it all runs like clockwork. Mm. But obviously a lot goes into planning the events and a lot of them are very well established events as well because you've been running them for so many years like ISEF Berlin. But... What generally is your leading time? Can you give us a bit of information in that? What goes on behind the yeah, scenes? Yeah, thankfully, us kind of disorganised sales types have nothing to do with the yeah. or, the, the organisation. <laughs> that is we reassuring. Kept, we, yes. <laughs> we kept well away from it. 
Um, so it is Isabel, uh, who you may or may not know, and her team of events management, things we call the events management team, um, who plan these things uh, you know, so intensely from way out. Um, so yeah, it does. So just to make Dubai happen, so I'm seeing it quite cl a close hand at the moment, just to make Dubai happen and all the sort of uh, th uh, uh, hoops that we have to jump through to make it happen. And Dubai is a little bit of a headache um, because you need documents from anyone who might be a speaker and things like that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into it and there's even there's quite a lot that people don't even see if they don't necessarily go to the seminar program. Uh, hopefully they do. Um, so it does involve quite a lot of work and still does for Berlin this year. So it's Isabel and her team who are from the moment, uh, you know, in ed Educator Books, we are, are looping them in with the events management team and they're making sure that you guys are fully informed on, on what can be done. And then there's spreadsheet upon spreadsheet upon spreadsheet of kind of uh, flow charts and things that need to be need to happen by a certain date. Uh, having just been sent the kind of itinerary of uh, various roles we have to perform for Berlin in two weeks' time, and it's it's a fair old effort. It's, it's an art of well, it's a, a work of art really. Um, and one thing I do know from having worked for a German company, so we we will all, always organise a team dinner just beforehand. So I often find myself ordering what I'm having for dinner in November, usually <laughs> in late August. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's not the best way to plan your plan your meal, but yeah, that's the sort of uh, it's a nice surprise on the night. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, it's enough time to forget about it, so it's, it, yeah. you are surprised about it. So yeah, so it's all done well in advance. Uh, admittedly, this year is probably the most difficult we've ever had to to deal with because everything is difficult. Everything is um, gone through the filter of COVID rules, um, and also it's quite hard to get hold of some of the usual stuff. Um, including you know interns, students uh, in print, uh, all this other stuff. So a lot of the deadlines are uh, quite challenging this year, happening right now. So yeah, it, this year is probably as hard as it ever gets. Um, but the, I'm sure Isabel's team will cope. I'm sure they will. And how how do you pick? Is there any criteria whereby you think that one just doesn't fit the schedule anymore? And someone comes up with a new venue or a new location, you think that might fit better so you know parts of the world are, are very big and you always for example Latin America's in Brazil um, but I know you've run other fairs in, in Latin America would you ever think they, that doesn't fit anymore it's tired or or we're going to look for new yeah, things yeah Isabel's again is often the driving force those those sort of things I, I remember this is well based uh, she's actually in Western Supermare so oh, so yeah. she sounds like a good pod candidate for me she sounds like an interesting person <laughs> I'm sure she'd be happy to do it. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so she, just for example, she, I know she was the driving force in making our Central Asia event happen. So she was speaking to clients who were attending our events in, in Russia and, and Ukraine and could tell that we weren't quite servicing that market enough and there's a, a growing market. And often it's a case of just many schools telling us we should do it. <laughs> it can be as simple as that. And then we'll, we'll involve various recce's um, and Isabel, has seen many, 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 many hotels in her yeah. time, so she knows what we like. We knows what. I bet she can't stay in the hotel for pleasure now, can she? Every time she walks <laughs> yeah. into a hotel, it would just be her eyes will be on little things that no one yeah. else is looking for. Exactly, and I, that actually can be a bit of a challenge: is the cultural clash um, around the world. So some places completely 
are on board with our standards and what we expect by a certain time. But there's uh, other times and say, yeah, I don't want to generalize, but it's always South America uh, where we're up till 5 a.m. doing setup. So that's when it gets pretty hairy. Have you got any nightmare stories? I love these. Like, is anything that has just gone so horribly wrong or very close to going horribly wrong? I think it, I can't think past the time. I think we're in Colombia when we were, because <laughs> a lot of the hotels, they try and um, pack the events in. And we had uh, our day of meetings in, in Bogota happening. And we got there and they're, they're still literally in the middle of their drinks reception for this previous event. And they, they didn't even finish till midnight. So we, as a, Bear in mind, we're tired, we're jet-lagged, all we want to do is set up and go to bed. But we can't we can't go to bed until it's set up. Yeah. So it gets to about 3 a.m. Uh, and then we can finally start set up. And even then, they're saying, tranquilo, tranquilo. Oh, no. <laughs> and we're, we're, yeah, we're doing our best to, to be polite. And then, so, yeah, finally, I think we're set up for the next, for, for the 8 a.m. start. I think we're set up at 5 a.m., so that wasn't, wasn't nice. That's not oh, gosh. No. But, you know, all the schools that were attending that would have had no idea. They were all tucked up in their beds oh, no, I'm having sure they a all good got told. night's sleep. I, they, I'm sure yeah. Nick went around telling <laughs> yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah, they got you told. Won't be a beer. They 100% yeah. got told. <laughs> if you have any questions or comments about this podcast series, please drop us a line at podcast at bellenglish.com. Um, so I've put here favourite locations, um, either for business, but I know you're well-travelled anyway, Um or for pleasure and and next to any new locations being considered I don't know how it happened the word Vegas just <laughs> it, it just landed on our running uh, sheet here well, um, it wasn't me who put it, put it there no no <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of who it was but um, so what would be your favourite locations either for an ISF because you think this is always such a nice ISF it just works well and I like being here and the, this hotel's well, good and these people are good or there was uh, Seville was one that definitely caught me by surprise. I think we had um, to our higher education event moves around the world um, with uh, EAA, which is a big European university event. So we follow them kind of for better and for worse, depending on where they go. Um, so if they go to Seville, great. I think next year they're going to Barcelona, great. Uh, other places are less less glamorous, shall we say. No, it's nothing against Glasgow, but you know. It's not good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh boy! It's, Glasgow versus Seville in September. I think I know which one I'm choosing. Um, so that one was a total surprise. I had no expectations, and it's just such a nice place. And then I got to spend a whole week there, and the, the climate, the food, everything just. And it's just quite a nice small city, so quite easy to navigate. It's yeah, absolutely perfect for for an event because there's no. There's, sometimes if you're in a big city and you've got evening receptions to get to, and you get stuck in traffic. You you can you do kind of lose your mojo a little bit, uh, but whereas you, and it's kind of a nice small compact city like that, you don't really have that. Um, so everything just kind of works, and, and the hotels there as well. I still, so we do actually have an ISF in Seville again, but it's for Spanish education next year, uh, and it's actually a really nice hotel. So I'm trying to wangle my way on that if I can, even though I've probably got no business reason to be there. <laughs> well, that wasn't the answer I was expecting, Seville. So that's good. I've learned yeah. something uh, something something new there. And Vegas is that well, being considered, or this? We are cons- for an event in twenty twenty two. We are considering a few different locations around the US, but I don't know how much I can say on that. Um, but yeah, it's some somewhere we all haven't been. Somewhere that you'd think, oh yeah, cool. Is Miami to replace Miami or no. to move? No, no, Miami? no, no. no. It would be a different event. Oh, okay. Because uh, Miami's always a love. It, 
That was one. I the timing. It's just that week or two before Christmas, isn't it? And it was just the timing of getting to Miami. The hotel was glorious. Everything there was glorious. There were some cool sports going on at the time. I think there was some some really big um, uh, sports in America at the time that I could watch in this really nice. Everywhere was just nice. Mm. And the agents that year were nice, I remember, and the schools were It was a lovely one that ISF Miami a few years ago. Yeah, it, it is. That's the only re- slight regret about working for ISF, actually, because I focus on Europe, mm. Middle East and Africa. I, I don't actually have a, a case to go to Miami. I don't go, and so I used to go with, with inline quite a lot, and it is just such a nice event. Yeah, it is a nice it's, one. It, it just times quite perfectly. You, you do the event, and you go home, you do a bit of follow up, and then it's Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's the dream. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah, it was good. It was a good one. Your favorite, Rebecca? Favorite ISF mm. over the years? Oh, oh! Don't pretend you didn't think this <laughs> might be asked. We're, we're here with Nick. I know they all because we haven't done any for such a long time. Yeah. It is like this seem like such a distant memory. But I've always been a fan of ISF Berlin because it's always just a nice. I love Berlin as a city. I absolutely love it. So to go and because yeah, that's the thing actually. Even it's nice to go to new places, but it's also quite cool to go to the same place it's every the, yeah, year. There's that familiarity, isn't there? Familiar, going somewhere. Berlin's always got something else that you've not seen. It's always changing. Yeah. And I, I, I've done it probably 10 or 11 times now. I've been for city breaks and whatever. I still don't feel like I've got the measure of it yet. Yeah. There's always something new to do. So, yeah, yeah. it's quite that familiarity is quite nice. And the airport's changed now, isn't it? Because yeah. they, they used to always stick us in the clunky old airport they said oh, was always going to go. It was well located though, wasn't it? Exactly. But, that's what you're going to miss. So, yeah. you're going to have a nice new modern airport, but it's... Uh, Much yeah, further away, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So, I think Teagle, Teagle, was about... Minutes, 15 minutes yeah. exactly. That was perfect. Yeah, I always went into Schoenefeld where uh, the new one, the Brandenburg mm. Airport, is just basically right next door to it. Mm. So, yeah. Tegel was always, it always made the hangovers worse when you're going <laughs> to the airport on the Wednesday morning because it was so sort of bleak looking, wasn't it? At the yeah, airport, it, it made everything feel worse. It does, it, it is a bit aggressively miserable. It was <laughs> aggressively miserable, I think, is perfectly it's, to I, I, so, Yeah, especially on a, on a hangover. It's, it, because of the setup as well, because the security, yeah, that big horseshoe shape, it was just all of it was horrible. But it was always quite funny actually, because you always see the the educators there, and just you know everyone's just doing whatever they have to do just to get on the flight home. Yeah, just to get home. There was no party atmosphere at Tegel on a Wednesday <laughs> morning, was there? It was pretty grim. Yeah, it's sort of what you'd imagine East Germany to be like, even though it's in the west. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was a pretty bad airport. So I'm looking forward to the new airport. Although it looks like my taxi ride is going to be, it's about forty minutes. It's about thirty to forty is minutes. It? Yeah, in mm. a cab. I'm, I might actually brave public transport this year. I might give it. A it's go. easy enough on the yeah. on the train. Oh, just okay. from the just by the zoo, the yeah. train there. You can get it's, the train from there. I don't think it's as big a rip off as say, the Heathrow Express. I think it's it's pretty quick, pretty cheap. Yeah, no, I've taken. Well, that actually, a few I'm landing times. The, at lunchtime, so I might well do that as well then. Oh, yeah, it's pretty easy. Oh, there we go. Learn something new every day. You do. I was just going to ask another Berlin question, really, because in the good old days pre-pandemic, it was Mm. such a huge event. It was the biggest event of the of the industry's year. How many people would you usually have? So I think in 2019 we peaked at about 2,700. So yeah, I think all the numbers have always been there or thereabouts in the last five years, uh, but just gradually rising. So this year we're not. Too far off considering it, and um, so we virtually were allowed. So 
on site we're allowed about 950, 900 to 950. Will you get to it? Uh, we're going to try. Well, <laughs> I think it's looking like we'll end up at about 850, 900. Well, that's, that's big enough um, and plenty of agents on site to see. And then another thousand on online or 900 or so. So, yeah, probably just under 2,000, which given half the world can't travel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've all had a fairly miserable last 18 months. Yeah. So that's, that's not too bad. Um, have you got any fun stats on those big ISFs? Like, um, you've got that's a lot of people to feed. Bear in mind that's 2,700 in person over three days. Do you ever know how many coffees are poured or how many? Actually, don't. Um, <laughs> how many sure. bottles of wine? Yeah, how many beers for the Marlena? And, yeah, just how many cakes? You know, because every day it's kind of cake. Breaks how much money does stuff. the bar- Marlena bar? Well, let's not. Yeah, <laughs> make no. over the three days of ISIS. Yeah, and they haven't gotten. Uh, or the Irish friendlier. bar across the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's often a kind of um, you know, secondary industry of places that do quite well out of Berlin. There's, you've got the port- the Argentinian steak restaurant at the top of the road. <laughs> That's going to do well when we get there. Yes, <laughs> the, obviously the infamous Irish pub. There's uh, there's always a few people in the Pullman. Just yeah. it's that's usually my your recommendation actually for staying at. We're Berlin. in the Pullman. We're in yeah. the Pullman. It's just easier. I, if I to be honest, to be honest, I would probably prefer to stay there myself if I were an educator, just because obviously it's a lot cheaper. You do sort of have that sanity break just to get some fresh air. Mm. Uh, I used to stay in the Berlin Berlin for the walk. I used yeah, to like the walk to I Berlin Berlin. I used to Berlin, do that as well. I think, I think you're responsible for why I used to stay in the Berlin Berlin. Yeah, I think you recommended the, it to Danny and then yeah. we, were, we got put there. No, I went off the rooms after a few years. I just found them a bit... I once ended up there just because I arrived in Berlin and this was, I can't remember how many years ago and I've been going for so long and I turned up, probably I think I went out on the Friday Um and I turn up about 10 o'clock at night, go to my hotel that I always stay at. And it was actually the other side of the zoo. So I had like a 15-minute walk. And I liked that because in the morning, that brisk Berlin air on the way to a full day mm-hmm. in the Intercontinental. And I turned up and they were like, what a fire. And I was like, where am I supposed to stay? And then they couldn't find my booking. Oh. And then they'd got a booking for my colleague who was arriving on the Sunday and they'd booked her into another hotel, but they hadn't done that for me because it turns out that I thought I'd booked myself a room, but I hadn't. I'd just booked it for my boss at the time. So I turned up in Berlin with no one. I was like, it's 10 o'clock at night. Where am I going to stay all for the weekend? And they rang Berlin Berlin and said, there's some rooms there. So Mm. then I, and that's the first time I stayed there, but I'd heard of loads of people staying. And then from then on, I did, that's where I stayed. And it was nice, that five minute walk. Yeah, Again, just to have that always break. Always Berlin, Berlin, until Bell. And then Bell, well, the first time I was here, um, was a Pullman yeah. place. So then I started to see the Pullman. I thought, oh, let's just stick to the Pullman, I think. Uh, yeah, that would be my choice. It's got a nice pool. Well, I've never seen that. I yeah. was there. I didn't realise. I have been in the Pullman. Um, also, where you find out about the German spa etiquette as well. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, it, yeah, nudity is, is obligatory. So and it almost enforced with dirty looks. Enforced nudity, <laughs> okay. I thought you were making a note then, Sal. You were like, write Just, that uh, down. Berlin, Berlin, mm. change rooms to Berlin, Berlin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't think anyone anyone is going to want me in a spa with that regulation. Um, so ISEF... Um, is known for its events, face-to-face, its conferences, but it's not just conferences, is it? Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what ISEF does that isn't 
getting people together in a big hotel somewhere in the world. That's, that's the main thing. But just a little plug for ISF. But yeah, we'll uh, we do more than just events. Um, yeah, we do ISF Monitor, which is the it's the largest uh, resource for market intelligence um, for international education. Um, we also have been keeping ourselves busy during the pandemic with uh, a podcast, webinars. Uh, we do agent training, so there's any agents listening, um, we have lots of courses for you. And we uh, also do virtual reality. Uh, so if something that's kind of been wound down whilst uh, a lot of the language schools and so on have been closed, but it's, yeah, kind of a VR campus tours, which if you have a nice uh, leafy campus like you do in uh, Bell in Cambridge, then... Uh, the nicest and the leafiest, I may go yeah. as far as say, but... So I've heard. But I know you must it's not the first door. time you've been here, is it, Nick? Just sidebar. <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah, I, I, sidebar, this is not the first time you've been to Belt Cambridge, is it? I think circa 2009, 2010. Um, probably saw you, the, the glamour of you guys swanning off around the world. to. to That's the second events. time you suggested that we either... Ga- was it Gallivant? Gallivant or was it we're glamorous? But now neither we're myself or Sam were with Bell back in no, 2009. No, 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 no. So. <laughs> You swan on your gallivant. Um, so, yeah, I've heard you guys um, swanning around the world, um, selling the dream to students. Um, I thought, I thought I'd uh, have a go at that side of the fence. And so, with zero experience and zero context, <laughs> I thought I'd uh, flag an interview at Bell, but it, it didn't quite go that go the way I wanted. I think. Uh, just didn't quite have uh, the, what it takes, apparently. Yeah, ten years later, here you are here again, you are, director podcast, of yeah, that's it. EME and indeed A. It's, it's, I mean, it's a real sliding doors moment. Who knows what where was been? this in your, was this before or after study travel? Was, I think it was in between. In between, yeah. I see. So yeah, I kind go. of been showing the bright lights in the industry and thought... So Danny got you by default because you were a you didn't bit, get this. a little bit. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Bell should have put you in a pub with the other candidates, yeah. and then you could have really shone. Yeah, then your natural environment. Then they would have seen. <laughs> <laughs> in a lighter, lighter note, I suppose. All this book has been it's been quite yeah. light the whole way through. To be mm-hmm. fair, um, you travel a lot. You're one of the most travelled people I think uh, I can think of in the industry. Um, any travel tips? The one I have, which you must, you probably do know already, is if the curtains won't close in your hotel room and you need to get sleep and don't want to be woken up by the morning sun, in the wardrobe is normally a hanger with those clips for your trousers. Mm. Clip the curtains together oh. using the clips at the bottom of the hangers. Why wouldn't you just ring down to reception and say, my curtains won't close? Can somebody come and help? Some of us aren't as posh as you, Rebecca. <laughs> We're not used to having butlers on tap, but maybe the hotels you stay full, in are different full of butlers to the other people uh, stay in. Any um, tips, Nick? Yeah, there's one of my colleague Ross introduced me to, but it doesn't seem to work for me. Um, as, of all of, as of all of them, don't do things Ross tells you. <laughs> I yeah, I, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's probably wise advice. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think the, probably the bane of my life on the road is ironing shirts. It's horrendous. Um, so I, I think when I was very young, he introduced me to uh, leaving it. Basically, it's not very green, so, you know. Um, boo. boo. <laughs> um, but you hang your shirts up in the shower. Yeah. Uh, get the shower on full blast and then just pop down for breakfast uh, or for, just for five minutes. And then surely a freshly steamed. Freshly it definitely works. It, it helps. It, it helps. It makes it, it easy to iron. That's good. Uh, the other tip would be just buy non-iron shirts. 
non-iron shirts. Yeah. Laundry service for you, I expect, Rebecca. I, well, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> just send them down, yeah. When they're closing your so. curtains, they could also pick up your old clothes, <laughs> yeah. couldn't they? Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess exactly. the other thing would be um, just do what you can just to have airport lounge access because that just makes life so much easier. I, I feel like if you're going to be traveling for work a lot, you may as well make it not miserable or just at least a little bit pleasant and just it probably does save you some money in the long run because you're not spending sure um you know loads of euros in burger king or whatever you do on the way back from berlin you just have somewhere just to, to do a few emails so that's a way to sell it to your boss you'd be productive and save the company money i peaked at gold with uh with british airways a few years ago and it's just hemorrhaged it's gone it's gone. There's no Been snatched away. I've got no status now. Yeah. After all those years of building that up diligently, well, that's going to be quite a hot commodity at Berlin. Is lounge sure. status? Has <laughs> anyone got any left? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all falling down the tiers. I think we all know. Everybody some, will be in Burger King. I think we all know who's going to still have that status, though, don't we? <laughs> I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be telling us all about it. I said Berlin himself. I expect. Hello. <laughs> Tell him Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> um, all one, together now. So, uh, yeah, one thing. So, they're good things that happen uh, that can help you to travel. One thing which all hotels abroad could help you with, in my opinion, is having a socket near a bed. Why don't they have it depends. a socket yes. near the oh, headboard? Right. Abroad, isn't it? You, yeah, it happens in, in the London. UK as well. I had, I used to have a little <laughs> sheet of like, yeah, my pet peeves for traveling. Um, and that was one of them, not having a plug socket next to the bed. And also that. The lights. So you get into bed and there's light switches next to the mm. bed, but they don't switch everything off. And then you've got to get back out of bed and go over to the corner and switch that lamp off. Who's there's always something like rooms? that. People who don't travel. Yeah, Clearly, people, people who don't, don't use hotels. Yeah, are designing hotel rooms. I actually, I think recently I was about to go back to down to reception to request a, a, an extension lead just because I can't have it. I, can't, I won't have it anymore. It's not, it's not acceptable in the it, anymore. It isn't good. <laughs> To keep up to date with our podcast series, you can follow us on social media at Bell Education Podcast. Um, so, Nick, lots of travelling, um, as we've discussed. Uh, what's the what's one of those amusing stories that, that's happened to you while you've been on the road? Uh, I, there was probably the one where I went to, it feels almost like I'm having catharsis already, uh, talking about This it. is therapy, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I, I went to... Beijing the first time, and I fell victim to a notorious tea scam. Go on. Um, so well, I was walking by Tiananmen Square, and then um, just minding my business, I had like a few hours to kill until I think I was there for a Wistic event. Uh, a few hours to kill before that for the evening reception. So I was just wandering around, ticking off the box boxes to uh, things to see, and then a local girl comes up to me and starts talking to me, and I was. A bit jet lagged. I wasn't particularly friendly. I was doing my best to kind of be polite but not rude, but try and get just get rid of her. Um, but she just keeps kind of being quite nice, quite helpful, and actually um, quite a good tour guide as we're walking. So she's quite quite handy. Uh, so she's sort of earning my trust. And then um, she happens to be walking the same way as me to uh, Wang Fujing Street, uh, which is I don't know if you've been. That's to That's where the the. Um, street food and yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh, with yeah. the insects and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like roadkill on a stick, yeah, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, so obviously, me at twenty-one is desperate to see that. Um, and 
yeah, we get there and then I go to, I'm sure she was quite a good, as I say, she was quite a good tour guide. So she's pointing out all the different animals and delicacies and stuff like that. And then I go to grab a drink from the from one of the street stores. She says, no, 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 don't bother with that. So we end up going into the tea shop. I think, oh, I don't really want tea, but, you know, fine. It was, was the worst that could happen. It's just a tea shop. Uh, and then she starts sort of banging on about this ginseng tea. Uh, I, I, I was already running a bit late for the reception at this point. I was like, I'll just fine, order it. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a beer. Um, and then the tea comes and we do a tea ceremony. It's, it's all quite nice. But again, I was what, 21. My interest level in tea was fairly low. Um, it, it was nice tea, uh, I'm sure. And then the, the, the bill finally comes and it was, uh, equivalent of about 104 pounds. Um, so it's about four pounds for the beer. Uh, hundred pounds for the tea. Oh, um, so that's a thing that that's they do. Thing. That is a thing. Yeah, I see. Um, so yeah, I had to. I kind of panicked, um, and just I was running late for reception already. I just have to pay for it. I don't really have any options. I mean, I'm checkmate, really. Um, so I pay it, and then I get to the evening reception, and I. I, I meet a lot of um, Canadians who got done by the same scam. Oh, no way. Give us South Africans who got done by the same scam. That turned out it's the number one scam on TripAdvisor. And then I, I tell my, I think I was working with Study Travel at the time, uh, I told my colleagues about it because I think I'd put it on the company. Did you expense it? I expensed it. Um, so I was a little bit ashamed. And I told them, I, I could hear them on the phone or laughing. I was like, oh, I need to make this right. And then so I did end up trying to get the money back. And I think, I did. Uh, I went down to the same tea house, and after you know, kind of lots of kind of umming and ahhing, and them disappearing for ten minutes at a time, I got eighty quid back. So, oh, that's not oh, so well, bad well then. Done. And maybe my dignity as well. Who yeah, knows? yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, well done. I had read about that, and I was approached by people at, at Tiananmen Square. Oh yeah, do you want to go? And I was like, no, I just read about it, and I was also just it's probably not as polite as you. I was mm. just like, no thanks, and carried on walking. So I was in uh, Paris with a colleague on a work trip and sat near the Arc de Triomphe just waiting for time to pass before the meeting. A fella walks past and stumbles across a ring on the floor and picks it up and uh, shows it to me and says, oh, look, I've just found this. Is it yours? I said, no, it's not mine. And in his kind of broken English, says, oh, it looks expensive or whatever. And I thought, well, it looks sort of vaguely goldy, but... um. And he said, look, I'm poor, give me five euros and you can have the, have the ring. And I thought, well, yeah, why not? He looks like he needs it. Don't know why he doesn't want to keep the ring, though. Anyway, I, I was very busy waiting for this meeting, mm. paid him, got the ring, thought, terrific. Walking down the street towards the agent's office, um, past the jewellers. And I thought, well, while I'm here, I've got five minutes, I'll just pop in and say, look, um, is this you know, worth anything, whatever? As soon as I held it out, they just started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, well, why are they laughing at me? And they said, you're like the 10th person today. Mm. I said, 10th person to do what? I said, well, they carry the rings around with them. And then they walk past you a bit and drop it. And then they tell you they found it. And you give them five euros for it. Then you walk into here and ask them if it's worth anything. And we say no. This is very funny. And I was like, it's not that mm. funny. I was absolutely gutted. <laughs> I was so gutted. And it's happened more than once in different parts of the world, actually. I've had one scam. in Istanbul when mm. I even knew about this. And it was like the 10th time I'd been to Istanbul. And I was rushing off to a meeting. 
and a guy, you know, they've got all the shoe shine guys and walked past and um, one of his brushes fell off and I picked him up and was like, oh, and, that, and then to thank me, he came to then polish my shoes that I did not need polishing. Mm. And then he was like, oh, you can actually, I need some money. And then, yeah, and I was like, oh, and that's what they do. And I'd read about it. And literally, as I was stood there, I was like, I, I know that this was going to happen. You can't reverse out, though, can you? Yeah, and then I was like, oh, and in the end, I ended up paying him like 10 quid to shine my shoes that didn't need shining. And I was just being nice. Yeah, that's the problem. So I'm just not nice anymore. I just, yeah. Yeah, that's probably one lesson for on the road. Just don't be nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's an excellent <laughs> <laughs> an excellent way yeah. to end the travel based on, uh, end the podcast based on international education yeah. and, and traveling, Nick. I do have one travel tip, actually, which I just remember, which is you may or may not know, but I think it's quite good. So talking about travel tips, um, in hotels where you have a key card to your room, where the key card is also for the lights and the power, Mm. the key, the the card you put in the uh, power socket doesn't have to be the door key, driver's license, any any card, train ticket, train ticket. Yeah, it's not it's not reading anything, so it doesn't need to be your your door key so you can have the lights and the electricity on all the time without having to uh, to waste one of your door I keys went for a long time thinking i was the only person who knew about this turns out everybody knows about this unfortunately oh well that's that <laughs> well, well then we won't put it in and, <laughs> and no one will know that really i haven't put it in you need to do that though do you, so, you do, yeah, you yeah there are times yeah, no, for sure. you, i mean if you're somewhere really warm and you want the air conditioner on then yeah okay exactly that's but one generally, reason Another one is if you are getting home late and you want the lights to be already on and you don't want to spend the whole time. Let's say you've had half a glass of wine. You don't want to be stumbling around a dark I room feel, looking I for feel, stuff. Mm. There I feel are people that, by that comment. I'm staring at you as I say <laughs> I it. You can leave your lights on while you're out is basically the, the reason. It's very useful. It's electricity as well. Yeah. It's not just lights. So yeah. if you're charging your phones or whatever. Yeah, that's then it will still work while you go out the room. Yeah, I mean, if you're at a bit of a cheap hotel, then they're more liable just to give you one card and be stingy with it. So exactly, it's, it's yeah. quite useful. So driver's license is always seems to be the perfect size. Top tip, or Vinick tip that everyone knows about and <laughs> won't knows? be of any use to anyone. My other half always gets really annoyed because they'd be like, you're going away, you're being picked up at five o'clock in the morning and it's 7pm and you haven't packed yet. Oh. And I'm like, but it doesn't take long. He's like, but you surely you should have packed by now. I was like, no, packing takes as long as you give it. So if you think I'm going to have this done in 15 minutes, you will pack your case in 15 minutes. That's quite a good one. Otherwise, I mean, if I was going on a holiday for two weeks and I was going to the Bahamas, I'd probably have my suitcase out for a month beforehand because I was excited and you can gradually put stuff in. But if you're going on a business trip, there's only so much. And I guess when you're doing it quite often and you know what you need... But I always say that. So I, I would do it just before I was going to bed the night before I was going on a trip. Mm. Not a bad one. Very good. The worst ones is when you go somewhere hot for a week or somewhere cold for a week. Yes. And you've got a 24, 36 hour turnaround to go somewhere the exact opposite. Mm. Uh, you, then you, you, all your clothes are out then. Yeah. You're, you're struggling. Or if you have a stopover somewhere cold, yeah. you consider. Or if you, you say go Florida to China, and... if you go to Beijing and then you're going into... Um, Shenzhen and Hong Kong and you have to pack for both mm. Yeah, half climates. your suitcase is wasted. Yeah. Half the You've got a big yeah. thick winter coat in November in Beijing and then you get to Hong Kong and you need t-shirts. Irritating. Yeah. 
And one last question, Nick, before we finish off, and it's something that we tend to ask all our guests. Um, food. Obviously, with traveling and we get to try lots of different food, um, what kind of, what's your favorite cuisine, perhaps? It's probably, it's, it, I guess it sounds like a bit of a pretentious answer, but it, but it maybe it's just what happens if you work in this industry for a bit. Um, Chinese food in China, because I can't be bothered with it in, in the UK. I don't really like really? it. But very specifically, when my colleague Albert is with us, who's our Chinese uh, agent manager, because he he knows exactly what to do. If, yeah. I, if I were to go in the same restaurant, it, it w- what I would order would come you know, with a completely different meat to what I expect, a different chem- temperature, uh, it wouldn't be noodles. It would be I don't know squid or something. So it's yeah, it, Chinese food in China, like dan dan noodles specifically. That was the yes. first time I ever had those, and they're really great. Yeah. So also, it can be quite for us, I think, daunting as well, isn't it? So I've been out for a few meals in China, and I love Chinese food, and I love it in China. But then also sometimes I'm a little apprehensive. Mm. Yeah, it's a good way to kind of try. If if you have a group, at least you're kind of safe. You can yes. order a few things and the, the commitment. Hey, when when I'm on my own, and I, I China's a place where I, I'm usually very adventurous, but China's a place where I come back with lots of receipts for Starbucks, just because you kind of want a safe <laughs> safe bet every now and again. But yeah, if, if Albert's there, then you get a big group and try everything. Yeah, and are there any restaurants when you're traveling? that you always go to. Say there's somewhere that you go and there's always a restaurant that you have to. I have one in Beijing mm. that I I can't remember the name. I probably never knew the name of it. But it's in the China World Mall and it's a Szechuan restaurant and it is oh, yeah. super spicy food. And I've taken a bunch of other people when we've been on road shows and things and everybody always loves it. But I will go there on my own if I was in I Beijing on my own. that's the one that Albert took us to. <laughs> Quite possibly just downstairs underneath yeah, yeah, the yeah, Shangri-La. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe great. it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. You won't be able to fill your tongue afterwards. But, no. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Their crispy chili chicken in particular is a favourite. Yeah, and the that well, yeah, and the dan dan noodles. noodles and you, they don't really do them in the UK that much. Yeah. and then if they do, they're not as good. Um, yeah, I think about others. Where would you like go? The... Ber- well, Berlin is the um, Argentinian steak restaurant. It's just really nice at the top of the road. I really like that. Traditions. Much I've anything, got but... a soft spot for a cheese toast at the Irish pub, um, but you probably need to be, you know, quite tired and at, at the end of your tether yeah. uh, to to enjoy that. Uh, the the Italian there's two Italians actually in Berlin that are great. Uh, names escape me, but I think one, one's called Il Sonriso, and the other one I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, they're both great. Um, the Greek restaurant across from the Intercontinental, I love it in there. Mixed reviews. Yeah, oh, I've always mixed. really liked it. <laughs> she always goes on about it, it's very mixed. I've always I, liked it. I've been over, run over at lunch a couple of times before for like their lunch sets. Yeah, I think that's when I went. And I think obviously Berlin service is a bit of an issue. It tends to be quite rude. So maybe, maybe it's that I couldn't get past. It was very busy, mm. and it was kind of like, oh, we're on a bit of a yeah. A they're not familiar with the ISF schedule, schedule here, yeah. um, but but I've been in the evening as well, and they do this amazing garlic bread as well. Yeah, anyway, you've been going on about that garlic. I know I'm going to make you have it. I'm going to make you have it in a couple of weeks. I will. I'm going to go when I have that garlic bread, not during the day because you know, 
be breathing on people as we have meetings. Mm. But yeah, anyway. Well, Nick, maybe you could join us for uh, Garlic Bread in Berlin in a couple of weeks. Um, and if not, well, we'll see you there anyway. So thanks very much for coming to join us. And I'm hoping that this second trip to Bell Cambridge has been rather <laughs> uh, a better experience than your first. Yes, it's been a lovely experience. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Thanks for coming. You can find out more about what we do at Bell by visiting our website at bellenglish.com.